Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Uh, if you don't mind, remain standing for the reading of the Word of the Lord. For the tearing, we'll start with verse 12. And we'll read the other verses in a moment. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5. It's good to see everybody with us for church tonight. We're thrilled to have you, all of you that are joining online. Thank you for doing so. We trust that the Lord is being a blessing to you. And we'd love for you to come and be with us in person. Uh, Whether this is your church or not, if this is your home church, we miss you tonight. Sorry you couldn't be here. We'll look for you Sunday. And everybody else, come visit us when you can. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, verse, uh, what did I say, 12? Let's begin with 12. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or the Word of God, the principles of God's Word. And are become such as you have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I'm going to talk to you tonight uh, something that's very near and dear to me. I'm going to end up talking about the love of God and and living for God and how that involves walking in the love of God. But uh, a few months ago, I began a, uh, or taught a lesson on Wednesday night about uh, uh, growing up spiritually. And I went through the different stages of that process, how it very closely correlates or parallels with the natural body and our growing from uh, birth to babyhood to childhood to adolescence then on into adulthood. So tonight I'm going to talk mainly uh, about becoming a spiritual adult. And you may be seated. The Lord will bless his word tonight. I want to go back pick up a few verses before what I read a moment ago in this fifth chapter. Let's begin reading with verse 7 and get just a full, fuller context of what the Apostle Paul is saying here to the church at Jerusalem. Did you know that the Hebrews, book of Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, that's the Jews. Uh, Not sure whether it included just the church at Jerusalem, the Jewish church, or others, but we know it included at least them. Paul wrote to them in verse number 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. How many know that suffering teaches us some things? All right, verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we know these verses are talking about who? Jesus, 
Paul goes on to say in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say, uh, and they're hard to be othered. In other words, hard to, to understand, seeing ye are dull of hearing. He was talking about not their physical sense of hearing being impaired, but he was, he was telling them, your heart isn't prepared to, to hear the stronger things of the Word of God and things about Christ. Uh, that he wanted to tell them. As you read through the rest of the book of Hebrews, though, you see where Paul got, uh, he got pretty complex, pretty complicated with the theology of Christ and his priesthood. The rest of the book of Hebrews, the main theme of it, I guess you could call, was the priesthood of Christ and how uh, it compared to the Old Testament priesthood. But he says pretty strong, you're dull of hearing, verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be teaching other people, you have need that somebody teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the basic principles of God and His Word. And you still have need of meek, me, milk. You're not able to take strong meat, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the Word of righteousness, for he's still a baby. He hasn't grown up spiritually uh, to where, in verse 14, they can handle strong meat, which belongs to them that are of full age. So this, this passage of Scripture is telling us Jesus was our example. The verses I went back and read uh, tell us that. Jesus showed the way. He became obedient to the plan of God, even though it says here, uh, that he actually, he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. You go back to the garden where Jesus prayed. He prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. The flesh of Jesus did not want to die. But Paul says, and aren't you glad he went through with it? And he obeyed. He was obedient. Another scripture, I believe, by the Apostle Paul says he was obedient unto death. And so showed us how to do that. So our goal is to graduate from the milk of the word and understanding the basic principles uh, so that we can get that under our belt so that we can. Thank you, brother. So that we can graduate to the meat and understand more complex things of the Word of God so that we can teach others. Uh, so to do that, we must reach spiritual adulthood. And when that happens, then we will know it, others will know it, because we will have residing within us uh, in our life the proof of that by certain characteristics and to the degree that those characteristics are absent or present or how much they're present in our life, that will mark our level of spiritual maturity. How many want to be spiritually mature tonight? Amen. So what are some of those things that if we are spiritually mature, if we're mature adults in God, what are some of those things that will be found in our lives? Well, Number one, that we regularly, habitually, and consistently eat spiritual food and drink spiritual drink. 
Our spiritual food is bread, the bread of life. That's the Word of God. Drink is the Holy Ghost. We get the Holy Ghost how? By prayer, by maintaining our relationship with God through communing and communicating with Him. So we will have consistent and effective prayer habits and word study habits and church attendance habit, habits where we also eat and drink because in a, in a worship service there is the moving of God's presence, His touch by His Spirit that responds to our praise, and there is the eating of the Word of God as it goes forth. So that's the number one, eat spiritual food and drink spiritual drink. In other words, the Word and prayer uh, in our lives. Number two is that we will have the proper parental consciousness. Uh, in other words, we will be reproduction-minded. Now, there are some of us that have thankfully passed thinking about such things in the natural. And somebody said, Amen. But we never, never get to the point spiritually where we can fold our arms and say we have arrived. We can settle back on our laurels and take it easy. Not so, especially in this thing of spiritual reproduction. Did you know that mature members of any species are able to reproduce? The Bible says a lot about it. And Jesus used a phrase, he talked about bearing fruit, and you'll know them by their fruit. I call it soul winning. It means, uh, it simply means that if you are a mature adult Christian, then you need to understand that the church is the mother and God is the father, and you need to have the mindset that, that you must be involved in spiritual reproduction. That is, souls being born again of the water of the Spirit coming into the family. Amen. And if you don't have that mindset that, I'm sorry, you're not spiritually mature. You haven't become a fully spiritually spiritual adult. Number three is maintaining a Spirit-filled life. I've talked about that. Number four is your consecration and willingness to follow the will of God, God's plan for your life, that involves being consecrated to the Lord. And the fifth and final thing on that list I'm going to talk about for the rest of this evening tonight, and I'm just going to call it, for lack of a better way to phrase it, um, the Bible has much to say about it. I'm just going to call it walking in love. Walking in love. Could I tell you tonight, the greatest subject on this earth that we could talk about, the greatest subject in the Bible, I believe, the greatest thing about God, at least it's the greatest thing about God that attracted me uh, to God the most and kept me through the rocky teenage years of my life. It, 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 it's the thing that um, your attention to it and the place it holds in your life will make you or break you as a Christian. 
as a child of God. And it will determine more than anything else, more than any other single factor or aspect of your walk with God. It's at the root, the very core of your spiritual existence. I'm talking about the love of God. Amen. And walking with God, which is what we want to do, right? We want to do it right. We want to do it the right way, which is His way. Then you need to think of it like this. Walking with God equals walking in love. And if you are a spiritual adult, if you have matured to full maturity, spiritually speaking, then you will walk in love. In the love of God. Let's, uh, let's see what Jesus had to say about it. Matthew 6, verse 25. I'm going to go real fast, Terry. I probably won't stop. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they weep, neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment or clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let me tell you something. There is no, listen to me, there is no single one thought idea or truth in the whole Bible uh, as great or as far-reaching as the fact, the wonderful fact, the marvelous fact that if we have been born again, if we have become a part of the family of God, then God is our Father and He cares for us beyond our comprehension. In other words, God loves us in a way that we can't even begin to understand. That's the one thing that's greater than anything else in the Bible. Now, I know I've told you that the most important thing in your life, goal here in this, in this life is to get saved. Make sure you're ready for eternity because you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. But even that uh, supersedes in importance the love of God and you having the love of God in your life and that love for Him coming from an understanding that He first loved you. I, I, I bemoan the fact, I, 
I'm, I'm so sorry tonight that I do not have the vocabulary or the mind to really be able to express it to you like I want to and like I feel it needs to be expressed to you tonight, that God loves you. And he did everything he did from the moment he planned earth and putting the human race on it. Not just when he did it, but go further back than that when he was planning it. And I don't know how many eons of time. There was no time. How long before he actually created the earth and put Adam and Eve on it. I don't know how long before that he thought about it. But from the very second that he began to think about the human race and, and making a place for us to dwell so that he could come and have fellowship with us forever and ever and ever. From that moment, everything that he did was because of his love. The Bible says we love him back only because he first loved us. And so I want to ask you a question tonight that's very important. How much are you in love with Jesus? In love with the Lord. And that's based not simply, it's involved, but not totally on emotion. Uh, emotion has to do with our feelings, and our feelings can betray us. Sometimes they're wrong. They can deceive us. Uh, but I'm talking about the kind of love that God has, which is simply a commitment to just love Him. You make a conscious decision to love him, and you're going to do it no matter what. That's true love. That's the way God loves. That's the way he wants us to love him back, no matter what happens. And this love for him, once you make that commitment to love him, no matter what, that drives everything else about your walk with God and your relationship with him, and really everything in your life from that point on, forever. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, if it's not that way with you, you're still trying to reach full maturity as a Christian. But that's the goal. Love, here's the way it's supposed to be, the way God meant for it to be. And when you reach this place, you will be surprised if you've never been there before at how easy it is to live for God. If it's hard for you to live for God, then you haven't reached that point yet. I'm telling you, you can go through uh, Hades and high water in this life and have trials immense, one right after the other. And if you are truly, if you have reached that apex of making that decision to love God completely and totally, no matter what happens, it'll be easy to live for God. Your life may not be easy. But it'll be easy to live for God. When you reach that point where God's love permeates and saturates and affects everything you do, including how you feel about and towards and act towards your brothers and sisters, your love for them, your love for lost souls. Uh, God really likes to hear me say, my love for him.
Let's just talk about loving God for a little while tonight. God likes to hear the words come out of your mouth and be sincere from your heart. I love you. Jesus, I love you. Uh, we love to hear that coming from those that, that we love and want to love us, right? Well, we're made in the, the image of God. He likes that too. He likes to feel my love for him. I told you all ago that love is more than an emotion, but it does have feelings involved in it. And when you love God, you're going to feel that love for him. You may not feel it every day. You may not feel it all the time. But there will be times when your heart will break and all of a sudden you'll realize, man, I love Jesus. He's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey with him now. I'm going to make it all the way no matter comes, no matter what comes, no matter what happens in my life. And that transference of emotion of love from my heart to his, he loves that. And I love it when I feel it coming from him to my heart. But most important of all, more important than the feeling and the emotion, God likes to see in me the actions of love. It's the thing that proves my complete and perfect love for him. It's called obedience. Obedience. In other words, God likes for us to do our love for him. Put up John 14 and verse 15, brother. John says, if you, uh, or Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that's, that's short, succinct, clear, cut and dry, isn't it? And you can gauge me or you or anybody else's love for God by how much we obey him. Uh, same chapter, put up verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, or he'll obey my word, in other words. And my Father will love him, we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Next verse. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. There it is. He's expounding on what he said a few verses earlier. The word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. It, it, it's practical. It's easy to understand to the degree that you love God. To that same degree, you will obey his word. And to the degree that you disobey the word of God, that shows a lack on your part of love for him. Most of the time in our relationship with the Lord, and uh, I'm, I'm no different. I'm human like everybody here. Most of the time, now think about it, we usually focus on the desires of our heart that relate to that, to our relationship with him. We concentrate most of our efforts that we put out in maintaining our relationship with him on those desires that we have. What I would like to see happen in my relationship with God. And, and this goes even beyond just the Lord wanting God to meet our needs and praying, God, give me this, give me that, change this, circumstance that, protect me, bless my family. 
even when we get to spiritual desires like uh, our wanting to be saved or wanting our family to be saved. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But I'm trying to make a point here. I want you to understand a lot of the time in our relationship with God, we still are self-centered. We think about us so much of the time. But when we, when we are striving for spiritual adulthood, it is then time for us to focus on God's desires and find out what He likes, what, what makes Him happy, what He wants to exist or take place uh, in our relationship with Him, in our walk together through this life. And I have found as I have walked with God through the years that the more I focus on that, not only do I get closer to God, but it seems like all the other things that I used to pray for and be concerned about, He takes care of all of that when I'm focusing on pleasing Him first and saying, God, I, I want your desires to be first in my relationship with you. And, and so we pray with our desires in mind, and we, we even worship sometimes with our desires in mind, what we meet, what we want in God and from God. But we need to focus on what God wants. I want God to get out of mine and his. See, I put me first, didn't I? Mine and his relationship. I, I want to get out of that what he wants and what he deserves and what he desires. I want him to receive the pleasure and the fulfillment out of what goes on between me and him. See, that's what he created me for. That's what he created you for. So that he could get pleasure and fulfillment from having a relationship with, us, with him. It's really not all about us. It's all about Him. And the sooner we learn that, the more mature we will be spiritually. I want Him to get what He wants out of our walk through this life together and the life to come in eternity. We need never forget that though He is our best friend, He's our Heavenly Father, and those He's our healer. He's a lot of things to us. He's also our Lord and Master. And we were created, we were born to serve Him. We were made for Him, not the other way around. So, let's make up our mind tonight to consecrate our life to God. No matter how mature you may be spiritually, uh, and I know I'm talking to a lot of spiritual adults here tonight that have matured into adulthood even a long time ago. I think it would be good to be reminded of this on a regular basis and talk to God about it and say, because we're flesh and because we can slip and we can, you know, our, our, our day-to-day humdrum of life and the things of life, the cares of life are always pulling at us no matter how spiritually mature we may be. And so it's an ongoing process, one that we must give attention to every day. Put up 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says in verse 
19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? It gets real strong here. He says your body is very important because it's where the Holy Ghost dwells. And the Holy Ghost is what? It's the Spirit of God. It's His presence. Just a little bit, just a thimbleful that He's put inside of you as the, the Bible says, it's the earnest or the down payment of, of the full thing that we're going to get when we get to eternity. And I have no idea what that's going to be. If the Holy Ghost is as grand and glorious as it is here on earth, there's no way my little mind can imagine how great it's going to be in eternity when we get all of God. But that Holy Ghost that God has given us dwells in our body. Why is that? Because our body houses our spirit. And the Holy Ghost, when we're filled with the Holy Ghost, and our spirit become one on the inside of us. And Paul says, you need to keep note of this. You need to remember this. And he gets stronger in the next verse when he says, for you are bought with a price. We sang about that price tonight, the precious blood of Jesus, which represent the very life he poured out to buy us. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Don't let anybody ever tell you it doesn't matter how you dress, how you look, what you look like on the outside, or what you do with your body on the outside, that God just looks at the heart. This verse right here says, that's hogwash. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, how you live. Because you are not your own. You don't belong to you anymore. That's the price you have to pay to walk with Jesus. He wants all of you. Now, the benefits are out of this world. But the price that we must pay is giving up our sovereignty, giving up our identity, giving up the ability to control our life and say, God, you're at the steering wheel now. Sometimes we try to grab the wheel from him. I know I do, and I try. I say, I want to go this way, and I start trying to tug the wheel to the right, you know, to go off here. And sometimes, you know, sometimes God will, okay, you go where you want to go, and you pay the consequences. But the way... It's supposed to work is God is to have complete control of your life. Now, there are people who have uh, started out walking with God, and when they realize that, see, I think we as, we as apostolics especially, we sometimes treat uh, new people and, and people that we want to win to the Lord, we sometimes treat God uh, and portray him to those people as being some kind of a candy store that where everything's free and you walk in the candy store and you get all these goodies. And it's true that God blesses you beyond compare. And the life that you live with God is better than any other kind of life you'll ever live on this planet or anywhere else in eternity. But God wants all of us. And when you become a spiritual adult, you, you understand that. And you realize that. Now, I'm talking, talking tonight, I'm teaching on the meat. Okay, this is meat, not milk. You understand that. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Again, Paul said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so 
great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Just another couple of things about the love of God that I think will help us understand uh, this concept tonight that I'm trying to, to bring to you. First, John, uh, John, you, you remember what John was called, um, I believe it was in the book of John in the gospel. Um, it, it describes John, and John, you know, he's trying to be humble, and he was writing about himself. At the Last Supper, uh, that John's gospel, which gives that account of the Last Supper, you know, they were sitting there, they were eating, uh, they were drinking the cup, and um, it says, you know, Jesus, Jesus told them, one of you is going to betray me. And they, several of them spoke up and said, oh, Lord, is it I? Is it I? And Jesus didn't answer them. Then it says, the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I don't think it says that just like that, uses that kind of phrasing about any of the other 11 disciples who later became apostles, while Jesus was with them. But you know who that was talking about. It was talking about John. It says, the disciple whom Jesus loved leaned on his breast, and Jesus whispered to him who it was. He told him it was going to be Judas. The disciple whom Jesus loved. I think that John, and then as you read, uh, I know Peter was the one that opened the gates to salvation to all the different uh, nations and different groups of people. He was the one that got to preach the first sermon on the day of Pentecost, the first church service of the New Testament church. But John, John was the one that it's, it's obvious from reading the scriptures that he understood this whole thing was about God's love and about how God loves and how we should love him back. Uh, when you read... John was the one privileged to be the last disciple alive, and, and the Lord gave him the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible. And then as you read the epistles of John, uh, the Lord gives John a lot of uh, revelation about the love of God and how important God's love is. Let's just read a few verses, 1 John 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. There is it again. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. 
Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God, There it is a third time. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The scriptural definition for God is love. Now, I know that we cannot begin to comprehend the love of God in this life. Really not sure we're going to be able to when we get on the other side of this earthly veil. Uh, I mean, think about it. God is infinite. God stepped out of his infiniteness into this earth, which is finite, through the form of his flesh called his son. God was manifested in the flesh so that he could in his infinity, in his infinite, he couldn't do this, but he stepped into the finite of this world as one of us for one purpose. And there were several things he had to do to do this, but the one thing he wanted to do above everything else was express his love to us and show us that he loved us. God can't help it. Because of the nature of the very essence of his being, because of the, the makeup of what he is, and I struggle with words to try to describe the love of God. But he can't help but bless you if you're one of his kids. He can't help but give of himself to us because of what makes up his being, his personality, his essence, which is love. He cannot help but love you and I. That's why he died for us. God is love. And John tells us here and in other places, the Lord lets us know, we are supposed to emulate him. We're supposed to love as much as we can like he loves. And the only way we can do that is by allowing his love to flow into us and then out through us. That's how we love. The scriptures are full of it. Uh, I won't read it tonight, but the whole 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about love and how more important love is than anything else in this world. Uh, put up the scriptures I gave you in 1 John, brother, and let's just go from one to the other. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love our brethren. And he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Stop right there. If there is anybody, especially in the church, in God's family that you don't love, then you've got serious problems. Don't shoot the messenger. This verse here says you're abiding in death. There's a lot of things. It's a, a lesson for another church service about correcting when that's the situation. But if you do not have the love of God flowing freely through you to every one of your brothers and sisters, then there's a problem. And it's a big one. All right, next, next uh, verse 17. Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? First John 2 and 5. But whoso keepeth his word, God's word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. In other words, if you're obeying the word of God, 
then you're going to have God's love perfected in you, lived out in your life. And that's how we know that we are in him. Let's read one more, 1 John 4 and 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Again, that's another lesson for another service. But God does not want his kids to walk in fear. Doesn't want you to be tormented by fear. And there's ways to do that. But one of them, the, the ultimate way is to get full of the love of God. You need to get in these scriptures and live there a while. It will lead you to live like God wants you to live. Let me close tonight by giving you uh, a couple of examples of not walking in love. One of the deacons, oh my, I remember as a teenager there was a song that said, uh, let the church roll on. It's kind of a fun song. I guess nobody here remembers that song. Early 70s. Said if the preacher in the church, he don't preach right, kick him out and get another one. Horrible song now that I think about it. One of the lines said, if the deacons in the church, they don't deke right. Here's a, a, an example, a story of a deacon who wasn't deacon right. He asked the uh, worship leader, I guess, sing my favorite song. And his favorite song was, uh, got any rivers, you know, got any rivers you think are uncrossable. Some of you remember that one. And as everyone sang, this deacon shouted for joy, jumped up and down, worshiping God. He was so happy, he almost jumped over a pew. But on the way home, right after church, his wife mentioned to him that one of their sons needed a new pair of shoes. And when she said that, the deacon all of a sudden exploded, shouting, Do you think I'm made out of money? We just bought that boy a pair of shoes just a few months ago. Well, there was two things that man was not considering. One was that it was a growing boy, and growing boys outgrow shoes pretty quickly. And all the moms said, Amen. But the second thing that he didn't really understand was that God could really do anything like the song that was his favorite song talked about. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things called impossible oh mr deacon forgot about that and you know why because he wasn't walking in the love of god walking in god's love living in the love of god letting it fill your heart will keep you from taking detours like that that will slow you down spiritually another deacon got mad wouldn't come to church his wife kept coming uh, he wouldn't hardly talk to the pastor when he saw him in town. He was cold and, and uh, aloof. And the uh, pastor asked his wife, finally, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with your husband? Quit coming to church. He won't talk to me when I see him. She said, oh, he's mad about something. He went home from church and went to bed and wouldn't talk to me about it for three days well what was it somebody sat in his pew he always sits in the second pew second seat from the end and when he got there 
someone was sitting there. He got so mad he stood up and wouldn't sit anywhere else. Now, I would hope that no one here tonight would be that spiritually immature. But the, 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 the solution for that problem is just tell God and let Him do it. Do you want to be as full of the love of God as you can possibly be? Let's stand together tonight. You've got to walk in love. Amen. You need to feed that into your life. Feed that into your spirit with the Word of God and spending time with God. And would you put that at the top of your prayer list, everybody? go into your prayer closet next time talk to the Lord and say God I want to be full of your love I want to be filled with the love of God let's just pray that prayer tonight as we close this service I love you Jesus oh I love you and I know it's because you first loved me and I know I love you because you enabled me to and you let me see that that's so important and I take no credit for that I take zero credit, zero responsibility for loving you tonight. God, it's all you. But I thank you for your grace and whatever it was that you put in my heart in response to my reaching out to you and said, my child, I want you to know my love. I want you to know it as deeply as it can be known by a human being. Lord, I haven't reached that point yet, but I want to. I want to be filled with your love, filled to overflowing so much so that everybody around me knows that I'm in love with you above everything else in my life. We pray this prayer tonight for each and every one of us. Help us to fall so deeply in love with you that it's not even a question that ever arises again in our life here on earth about whether or not we're going to walk with you or follow you or serve you. That it's settled once and for all. Why? Because we've fallen so deeply in love with you that we will never, never fall out of love with you, Jesus. Not, Lord, that we can arrive or reach a place where we don't have to work on that every relationship to be made as great as it can possibly be, needs constant work, continual, regular work, spending time with you, communicating with you, and loving you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do it the way you instructed us to when you walked upon this earth. You said, Lord, that we need to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. That pretty much encompasses it all, Lord. Every facet, every part of our life. Help us to do it that way, we pray, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Could we just sing it unto him before we go? I just Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.